Good morning. I'm really glad to be here with you. Um, I don't know if you noticed from the schedule or not, but um, I'll be back I'm preaching next week, and then I'll be coming back a few times in October. So um, I, I will love, I always love speaking on, about Scripture with people, so I know I will enjoy it. I hope you do too. Um, but you can kind of figure out when I'm coming in, in, the, in advance and um, kind of work that out in your schedules or not. But... Um, yeah, it's my pleasure. I, I've known Tim for a long time, and um, I've, I've had a delightful time. We, we've known each other for a while, but it was really great to, to go to Seoul together and do some speaking and teaching together to work in partnership and to learn more about him and his ministry. So I've heard a lot about his, his, um, his uh, career and his um, company and a lot about you all here at this church. So it's really delightful for me to be here with you today. Um, let's go, here we go. So when I was working in campus ministry, I worked with InterVarsity for a long time. My wife, Shannon, is still on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It's a college ministry. So in, oh, about 20 years ago, I worked at the University of Pennsylvania, and I met a young man named Jason. Jason was from Texas. In fact, um, he was from a, a small town in Texas that you may, some of you may have heard of, Dallas. Dallas, yes. And Jason was a football fan. So he had posters of the Dallas Cowboys all over his dorm room. This was in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania. And he would like, whenever the Cowboys won, he would like to tease his friends that were Philadelphia Eagles fans, because back then the Eagles were losing a lot, and talk about how great the, the Cowboys were and how terrible the Eagles were. Um, so that was a difficult year for those of us who liked the Eagles. That year, the Cowboys had a very successful run in the playoffs, and they ended up in the Super Bowl. And on Super Bowl Sunday, Jason was sitting around with a few of his friends watching the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, at halftime, he gathers all of his stuff together, puts all his books in his backpack, and starts to leave the room. And his friends that were involved in the, the InterVarsity Fellowship said, Jason, you're leaving. It's halftime. Where are you going? And Jason said, I've got a Bible study on the Gospel of Mark right now. I can't miss that. We're talking about Jesus. Can you imagine missing a Super Bowl that the Eagles were playing in? Back then, you couldn't even imagine the Eagles playing in a Super Bowl or maybe winning one. Of course, things have changed recently. But can you imagine not watching the Eagles to go to a Bible study? Jason understood something about the priority of the Word of God. Today, I'm going to talk about the Bible Specifically, what does the Bible say about the Bible? What is the word on the word? What is the word on the word? The Bible talks about itself a lot, talks about Scripture a lot. One of my favorites is 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired and profitable for teaching. And this verse gets quoted a lot, and rightly so. However, the chapter in the Bible that talks the most about the Bible is Psalm 119. The author of Psalm 119 loved Scripture even more than my friend Jason. And this morning we're going to talk about learning, living, and loving the Word. 
What's the word on the word? We're supposed to learn, live, and love God's word based on Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has got, is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's got 176 verses. And the reason that it has 176 verses is it's an acrostic. It's a, acrostic is a poetic device where the first letter of each verse forms a pattern. Now, most of you may know that early Christians identified themselves with a fish. So we see bumper stickers today with fish on them. Well, this goes back to an early Greek acrostic. The, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the first letter from each word in the phrase, Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, spells out the word ichthus, which is the Greek word for fish. The fish became a symbol for early Christianity and eventually made it its way onto our bumpers. Now, lest you think some of these um, acrostics are only used in ancient times, the Republican governor back when he was governor, the, sometimes called the governator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, used an acrostic in a memo to express his displeasure to the members of the California Assembly, which wouldn't support him. And I'm not going to repeat his message. But um, it's not just an old thing that goes back to biblical times. The Psalm 119, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet appears at the beginning of eight verses. So verses 1 to 8 all begin with the Hebrew letter Aleph. Now, some of your Bibles may have this spelled out for you. Verse, the next set of eight letters begin with the second letter, Beit. The next set, the third set, 17 to 24, begin with Gimel, and it goes all the way down to the final letter, Tav, and the last eight verses of Psalm 119 all begin with the, the, the letter, that first letter of the, that, that letter of the alphabet. It's difficult to do that. The psalmist put a lot of time and effort into make that acrostic. Now, um, we had Psalm, the first, six, uh, first eight verses were read at the beginning. We're not going to be able to look at all 176 verses. So I'm going to just jump around and focus on a few. But in this psalm, I'm going to focus on three words that get repeated a lot. Learn, live, and love. So let's start with learn. So I'm going to read three more verses here. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Psalm, Psalm, verse 7. Verse 71. It's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Verse 73. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. The psalmist has many names for God's word, which I, in, in these slides, and I'll, we'll show, I'll show you two more, I highlight all of these special words for God in yellow. The ver in, these verses, in these verses, God's word is called your rules, your statutes, your commandments. In other verses, it's called um, your laws, your ordinances, your promises, your precepts, your testimonies. There's a whole bunch of words in Psalm 119 that are all kind of synonyms for God's law or God's Torah. 
But instead of using these synonyms, I'm just going to say God's Word. He's talking about the Word of God. And in verse 7, learning God's Word will lead us to praise God. It's a natural progression from learning to praise. But sometimes it's hard to learn God's Word. I don't know if you ever have questions or you're confused when you read maybe particularly parts of the Old Testament. It's hard. So the psalmist prays in verse 73. Give me understanding that I may learn. And acrostics are meant to help us learn something. My family loves the stars and the planets. My father, who passed away about a year and a half ago, he was a gamma ray astrophysicist. Whoa, that's kind of a mouthful. I, I like to tell people, it's not rocket science. It's more complicated than that. Um, my son is just starting a PhD program at Drexel in astrophysics. We love the stars and planets. And six years ago, we got um, a telescope to help us look at the stars and planets. Um, we uh, took our telescope out one time and we saw the, a very bright crescent Venus. And then we turned to Jupiter and we saw, if you can, through a telescope, you can see f- the four big moons. This is a telescope at our yard. There's four big moons and we saw those. And then we shifted over to Saturn and we could see the rings of Saturn. It was glorious. And it reminded us of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. But it can be difficult to remember the names of the planets and to keep them in order. Okay, maybe this is not a problem for you. But there's actually an acrostic that we can use to help us. My very educated mother just showed us nine planets. All right, not bad, huh? Acrostics help us learn whether it's the name of the planets in order or things about the Word of God. And that's what Psalm 119 is all about. This psalm was, was set up as an acrostic in order to be remembered or maybe better memorized. So how do we learn God's Word? We read it. We memorize it. We discuss it with others. We get involved in a small group. I love the fact that you're training your small group leaders. I hope you're all involved in small groups. Small groups are great ways to learn the Word of God. Our small group meets on Sunday afternoons. Some of you guys are going to be getting trained this afternoon, which means that sometimes you might miss a football game or a baseball game. And I think that's okay. Come back to that. What do you think about verse 71 here? Let's see. I got a pointer. Verse 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. How do, is that how you feel about affliction? <laughs> no. It's good, according to the psalmist, because it forces us to learn God's word. And as bad as suffering is, as painful as suffering is, the learning of God's word made it worthwhile for the psalmist. When you're suffering, and I realize some of you guys are probably suffering right now. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, use that suffering, that affliction, to motivate you to study God's word. 
For me, I often get asked questions about God's word that I can't have, I don't have answers to. Um, it's a, a form of humbling. We get, we get humbled, and maybe you've been asked questions about God's word that kind of humble you. But hum, humility or a process that humbles us can also motivate us, a little bit like affliction. In oh, May of 2005, I had a job interview. This was, I was finishing up my doctoral program in England. I had a job interview at Cambridge University to teach at a theological college there. And I gave a talk on why I was excited about Scripture. I thought the talk went well. Afterwards, one of the interviewers asked me, are you excited about Psalm 130, um, 137, where people are going to be blessed for bashing the heads of babies against rocks? Are you excited about that? I didn't have an answer to that question. I was flabbergasted. I was humbled. I think to this day, my lack of a good answer to that question cost me that job. I think about it all the time. But you know what? That process of being humbled motivated me to learn. I've spent a lot of time thinking about one, Psalm 137. I've made my students do assignments about Psalm 137. I'm humbling them, hopefully, in a good way to motivate them. Now I think I've got, a, I've got a, at least a better answer because I was humbled. Put yourselves in places where you can be humbled so you can learn God's word. Live God's word. I want to look at three verses on the theme of living God's word. Deal bountifully. This is verse uh, uh, 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Let your mercy come to me that I might live for your law is my delight. Sorry if you can't read that. It's a little dark, that pink there. Delight. And then verse 50. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. See, in verse 17, the, promise wants, the, pro, the psalmist wants to live in order to keep or obey God's word. In verse 77, the psalmist wants God's mercy in order to, li to, deli to live because he delights in God's law. And in verse 50, God's promise comforts us during times of affliction. I'm going to ask you another question. What word do you think gets repeated the most in Psalm 119? Now, you might think it was one of these Torah synonyms, law, word, precepts, promises. That's not the word. The word that gets pre repeated the most over 200 times in Psalm 119 is your. Your. Five times just in these three verses. Your word, your law, your promise. I need to put my glasses on. Oh, here we go. Uh, your servant, um, the psalmist here doesn't call the Bible the Bible. He doesn't call it Scripture. He doesn't call it the Word. The psalmist always calls it your Word. Every time the psalmist speaks about Scripture, it's connected with God. It's God's Word. 
The psalmist understood that God's word is all about relationship with God. These aren't just any old words or laws. They're God's. And living God's word brings us closer into relationship with God. Because when you do scripture, you're doing what God wants you to do. One time my wife, Shannon, was meeting with some of her colleagues as she works with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. She was, um, InterVarsity doesn't have their own building, so they often meet in um, churches. And they went into a Sunday school classroom, and they saw this writing on the wall, on the, the blackboard. How do we get closer to God? That's a great question, by the way. And these answers were written on the board. Go to church, pray, read your Bible. Now, those are really solid answers. Those are good answers. But I would say those are kind of Sunday school answers, right? You could almost always give those answers in a Sunday school class, and people go, yep, that's right. Go to church, pray, read your Bible. Those are all great. So what Shannon and her friends decided to do is they decided to add a few things. Not just go to church, invite somebody else to church. That's a little more scary, at least it is for me. Don't you, not just pray, but pray for the people that persecute you. Who said that? Yeah, that was Jesus. Don't just read them. Yes, read the Bible, but give your money to the poor. Now, who said that? That was Jesus again. Those things are a little scarier. As we think about doing those things, living those things, we're going to need God. As we live God's Word, as we live the Bible, we are moving directly, more directly into relationship with God. We will be more dependent upon God. You see, the, the reason the psalmist doesn't say the, the Bible or Scripture, but your Word, is because he was speaking directly to God. When do, you, when do you use you? You don't use the word you except when you're talking to somebody. The psalmist was talking to God here. The psalmist was praying. Psalm 119 is just one really long prayer. It's a prayer about Scripture, really. It's um, pray and Scripture, all in Psalm 119. And sometimes it's hard to live God's word, to meditate on it day and night. And if it's hard for you, you should be encouraged. Because the psalmist felt the same way. Pray for God to help you live God's word. Okay, now I want to look at three more words. The third word, love God's word. This is verse 47. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The psalmist loved God's word. In Psalm 119, the word love appears 18 times. And the word delight, another ten times. In other verses in the chapter, the psalmist has a great way of expressing his love for God's, love, God's word. 
delighting, loving the precepts, the laws. I'm going to talk. I'm going to focus on two images of love and delight that I particularly like. With open mouth, I pant because I long for your commandments. Isn't that a great picture? We got a we got a puppy recently, and she is just very excited over food generally, right? Do you feel similarly towards the Word of God as a puppy or any dog as they pant with open mouth for food? What do you pant over? Chocolate? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't share some of these. But for most of it, it's probably not God's Word. God's Word should make us pant. Make us drool, because we're just so excited about it. It's that good. What about this one? <laughs> I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. When was the last time you found treasure, spoil, plunder, booty? Okay. Are you like a... <laughs> I know it's silly. I'm a little bit silly, okay? And I, I, I apologize for that ahead of time. But these... Are you like a plunder pirate? Do you just like, this is so awesome. This is the word of God. I just can't get enough of it. It's like treasure. Jesus talks about a treasure, a pearl, hidden. Do you, do you celebrate over the word of God? Why does the psalmist love God's word so much? Because the psalmist loves God. And if you love God, you will love God's word. What things do you love, do you delight in, do you long for, do you pant over? Watching sports, maybe. Eating, shopping, kissing, exercising, reading, listening to music, sleeping, napping. Napping on Sundays, yes. <laughs> okay. Now those are all good things in certain contexts. But they don't ultimately satisfy because they don't ultimately lead us to God. And if we love any of those things that we pant over too much, if we love them more than God and God's word, Scripture calls that idolatry. It won't satisfy. When I was in college, I loved going to Stanford football games. My junior year, Stanford was playing UC Berkeley. Berkeley was our rival, okay? We, they hated us, and we hated them. And um, I was excited. Some of you guys may not know any of these names, and I apologize if you don't. But um, I was excited by watching John Elway's final college game. If you, know, if you know American football, you may have heard the name John Elway. Um, John Elway and I were both um, economics majors. He was a year ahead of me. We were not friends. Okay, let's just be real. We weren't friends, um, but I saw him on campus a lot. It was a very exciting game, and the, the game was just thrilling. In fact, I'll go ahead and pull this slide up. Some of you guys may know where, where I'm going with this. The, the lead switched back and forth several times. It was a thrilling college football game. It looked like Stanford was about to lose. They were forced back into their own end zone. Um, but Elway led them out, out of the end zone, a couple of exciting plays. They get, made it into Berkeley territory and kicked a field goal. We went ahead 20 
to 19 with four seconds left. The game was pretty much over. Um, one of the announcers says, it would take a miracle to save the Bears, the Cal Berkeley Bears. Okay, so I was like, we were just ecstatic. This was in Berkeley. Okay, I was there. So some of you may have heard of this. Um, it's some, in, in college football lore, it's just called The Play. If you, go, if you look up on Wikipedia, The Play, this will show up. Okay, Google it, The Play. Um, most, many college sp football um, sports writers talk about the, the most significant play in all college football history. I was there. Okay, Stanford kicks off. The Berkeley um, returner catches the ball and starts lateraling. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. Um, he starts lateraling it. Um, he, at one point in time, he put his knee down and then he lateraled it. Um, so he should have been down. A couple, once one of the laterals went forward, which is illegal. Um, it looked like he was down. The Stanford band came onto the field because they were celebrating, but the officials never blew the play dead. The Cal Berkeley player ran into the touch into the end zone and scored a touchdown with no time on, on the clock. It was chaos. And the Stanford fans, we were devastated. I was, I was like, I can't believe this just this the play's over. We, we were irate, we were upset. And I, as we left there, I was I was despondent. I was depressed. I was I was devastated. It was horrible. But you know what? God taught me something that day. I was idolizing sports. God taught me the things that I worship, other than God and God's word, they will not ultimately satisfy. We will be disappointed. I love to watch sports. My senior year, I didn't go to any football games. I felt like I was going to work. I was going to work on my relationship with God, and that was costly. But you know, that was a great year for me spiritually. The things that we love that don't lead us to God will not satisfy. You will not be disappointed if you love God's word. God's word won't let you down like some unnamed local sports teams, Phillies, Eagles, whatever, Flyers, Sixers. Another reason to love God's word is because of Jesus. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus is the word, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus is always worthy of our love 22 years ago, it was the fall of, of, of 1997, it was the first day of class, and my professor, Bobby Clinton, sets a piece of paper in front of us with a picture of an empty tombstone on it. Okay, it didn't look like this, but uh, my wife hates this. She hates seeing this slide. This piece of paper with an empty tombstone on it, and he, the professor says, write your name along the top. So we did that. And then he says, your assignment for the next class is to write your epitaph. What do you want people to say about you when you're dead? I was 35 at the time. I thought, isn't this a little premature? I, I've got a little, I think I've got some good years left in me here. I, first of all, I thought it was kind of superficial. 
but I thought, this is actually really important. What do I want my life to be characterized by? I prayed, I struggled, I talked to my wife quite a bit, and this is what I came up with. He loved to give others a love for God's word. As I, when I came up with this, I thought, yes, this is what gives me passion. I love teaching the Bible to people. I love getting people excited about Scripture. That gives me great joy. When we moved from England in 2006 from Oxford to basically Sauterton for me to teach at the seminary, as we were leaving, a woman from my church came up to me. She had two children in the Sunday school, because I taught Sunday school there a lot, um, in the Sunday school class, and her, 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 her children were quite bright. And she said, thank you for teaching my children. My son and my daughter have really appreciated it. She said, the thing I appreciated most is you just love the Bible, and that's contagious. I said, wow, well, thank that's like the best thing you could ever say to me. And I told her about my tombstone. She says, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to end with a challenge. Sometime this week, skip doing something you love. Reading fiction, watching the Phillies or the Eagles, eating ice cream, shopping at Macy's, running a marathon, whatever it is you love. Listening to your iPod, texting friends, talking to friends, I don't know. Skip that for 30 minutes and read Scripture. As you do, you will meet God and God will bless you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this psalmist. We're thankful for Psalm 119. We're thankful that Psalm 119 teaches us to learn, live, and love your word. Make us people that give our lives over the rest of our lives to be learning, living, and loving your word. We pray this in your name. Amen.